to From the Newsroom, the weekly podcast from the Holland Sentinel Newsroom. I'm Managing Editor Audra Gamble, and today I'm joined by three of our reporters. I'm joined by Municipal Reporter Carolyn Meiskins. Hey, Carolyn. Um, I'm also joined by our politics reporter, Arpen Lobo. Hey, Arpen. Hi, Audra. And I'm also joined by our education reporter, Mitch Boatman. How's it going, Mitch? It's going good. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. Okay, so today we're going to do a little bit of a roundup of our, our kind of biggest stories of the week here. And obviously, you know, I think the biggest story this week and frankly for the past, you know, 52 plus weeks has been this, the state of COVID-19 cases in the state of Michigan. And right now the state is not great. There are um, increasing cases. We have hospitals nearing capacity, limiting visitor restrictions. Uh, we saw on the east side of the state some hospitals um, choosing not to do some, some elective surgeries, pushing those off to make more room for COVID patients. And today, Governor Gretchen Whitmer, she didn't institute new mandates, but she had kind of a request, I guess, for the, the residents of Michigan. Arpen, can you talk a little bit about what she said today? Yeah, yeah. And so, as you said, you know, Michigan continues to kind of face a sharp rise in cases and case rates. In fact, according to the CDC, Michigan right now is pacing the entire country uh, for new cases. Um, And so traditionally throughout the pandemic, Governor Whitmer has been pretty aggressive in implementing orders. First, it was through executive action as she had kind of unilateral power under the state of emergency. But after the Supreme Court uh, invalidated the law she was using for her executive uh, authority uh, last October, it switched to the uh, Michigan uh, Department of Health and Human Services, the state health department or, uh, director would implement those orders. And so over the past um, six weeks, Michigan has continued to see kind of increasing uh, COVID cases, as you mentioned, and the expectation was uh, at some point there was going to be maybe a scaling back of um, previous uh, previously lifted restrictions. So right now the current uh, restrictions in place, there's still a statewide mask mandate. Uh, public gatherings still have size limits. And one of the more notable ones, I think the one that kind of grabs people's attention is the indoor dining um, restriction. So currently restaurants can have 50% capacity indoors. Um, They also have some other avenues like outdoor seating, things like that. Takeout has obviously, you know, taken off uh, over the past year. Um, But 50% is the current limit. And that's higher than it was um, as recently as uh, the beginning of March when it was just 25% following um, a rise in cases in the fall where it got shut down completely uh, in November and then eventually has been ratcheted back up to 50%. And so today, um, instead of implementing a new order, as you mentioned, she gave her a request to Michiganders um, to not do three things. Well, for the everyday Michigander, she asked to not eat indoors for three weeks. She asked every, or two weeks, excuse me. She asked everybody to um, still support their local businesses by kind of ordering takeout or a lot of restaurants have opened up outdoor seating now to kind of um, get more people uh, to eat there. So she asked people to still support that, but she asked everybody to not eat indoors for two weeks. The other two uh, requests she made, and these aren't orders, uh, so really these have no effect other than, you know, the, the state's highest elected official said this. She asked all uh, high schools in Michigan to go remote 
um, or online learning for two weeks following um, their spring breaks. A lot of those districts have either taken spring break uh, this last week or this current week. Um, and a lot of students and some staff have traveled during that time. So she's asking everybody to or all those schools to go remote for a couple weeks just to see if, you know, if people might have contracted COVID. And the last thing was she asked for all youth sports um, to be put on pause for two weeks. And those have been um, a source of outbreaks. State health officials say sports like basketball, ice hockey, uh, wrestling, they have contributed to outbreaks of COVID-19. So we'll circle back to, to the school sports thing, because I know that is a rather controversial ask from the governor. But I just wanted to, to get your your consensus on, on how the governor is explaining the um, really astronomical rise in, in COVID cases in Michigan when statewide, anyone over the age of 16 is now eligible for uh, a COVID vaccine. And, and we're seeing around, you know, nationwide, a third of people are vaccinated. What's going wrong in Michigan? Well, uh, today, Governor Whitmer uh, said the issue was compliance with uh, COVID-19 orders. She um, didn't so much kind of blame anybody, but she said um, in her justification for not instituting a new order was, we've been doing this for more than a year now. Michiganders know what works to prevent COVID-19. But another um, reason that health uh, officials have kind of attributed this rise in cases are the emergence of three uh, variants of concern uh, identified by the Center for Disease Control um, in Michigan. These three variants are kind of mutated strains of COVID-19, um, which is a thing that happens with, with viruses. They do mutate. Um, and so these uh, variants are considered to be more contagious and more easily spread. Uh, and that's a concern. Um, there isn't clear a lot of clear data on how the vaccines um, uh, deal with the variants, but uh, health officials have said, you know, the early signs are that they do offer some protection, so they still are offering, or they still are pushing, you know, vaccinations uh, if you're worried about the variants. And then I guess really the, the last thing about, you know, the vaccine um, rate with the rise in cases. Today, Governor Whitmer uh, said she had reached out to President Joe Biden, spoke on the phone with him last night, and asked for a increase in uh, vaccine doses, specifically doses of the Johnson and Johnson vaccine. That's a single shot uh, vaccine. Doesn't require two doses like the other two common vaccines, the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines. And the justification for her asking for that was, we need to be able to get as many people vaccinated as quickly. Yes, the state has administered over 5.1 million doses of the vaccine uh, to date. But given that a lot of those uh, doses are still just the first uh, dose and you need a second dose for full protection, you still um, would like to see uh, more vaccines. The Biden administration did not um, send those additional Johnson & Johnson doses, but they did send more supplies to help with vac vaccination clinics. They sent more testing supplies. and But Governor Whitmer said she was going to continue to kind of vouch for additional supplies going forward. Okay. Now... That ask from Governor Whitmer to to have high school sports paused, 
You know, especially in the Holland area, most of our school districts are on spring break this week. They're coming back Monday. And with that brings the start of spring sports for a lot of these schools. Uh, Mitch, as, as our education reporter, do you have a read at all on, you know, how that's going to be perceived by our area school districts or, or at least, you know, the athletes and their families? Based on the previous reactions to every time something was implemented regarding youth sports, I imagine the reaction would be poor. Um, you know, when football was paused in the fall, uh, that caused a lot of animosity from parents and students and then led to rallies at the Capitol. Uh, the same thing happened with basketball when that was delayed by a couple of months to the start of their season. So I certainly think that it would it would lead to a lot of angry people, <laughs> you know, not in, not even just in the Holland area, but across the state, and especially because we're getting to the point of the year where the sports are taking place outside, which should theoretically lead to less risk, you know, as opposed to a contact sport like basketball, where you're, you know, bumping up right against players from another school or another area of the state in an indoor setting with baseball and softball, you know, it's... You've got kids standing out in left field when, you know, the other team is up in the batter's box. So it's, I think that would be the thing that would bother a lot of people is that these are outdoor sports and they feel like they should be allowed to do them because that's generally where the guidance has fallen uh, throughout the past year. Yeah, we'll have to kind of see as everyone trickles back into schools on Monday how that plays out. So the other thing that I wanted to talk to you about this week, Mitch, is that the the schools in Michigan were hoping for a little bit of a reprieve from the federal government in terms of the M-STEP testing, which is one of the standardized tests that students in Michigan take. And unfortunately, you know, we saw a lot of disappointment from school superintendents when this week the federal department of education said, no, you're not getting that reprieve. You have to proceed with these standardized tests. Can you talk a little bit about how that went down? Yeah, so much like last year when the end of the school year was you know, effectively canceled, at least for in-person instruction, uh, the state of Michigan requested a waiver from the federal government to you know, get a pass on administering federally required assessments this year. So that includes the MSTEP, the PSAT, the SAT, uh, the WIDA assessment, which is for English language learners. Uh, there, there are a lot of tests that were kind of lumped into this waiver request. And the argument from the state and from education leaders uh, was that, you know, we had a year plus now of unusual schooling. There are some kids who haven't been in the classroom or there's some who have been in and out because of different you know, shutdowns and different uh, decisions by their local districts. So they say that data collected by these tests just wouldn't be useful this year. And uh, our local superintendents share that thought. They say that this is data that is, you know, it's not used to inform curriculum decisions locally. It's just to compare school to school, state to state, country to country, and that sort of a thing. And so they just didn't really see the point in doing it this year, and that they have to do it anyway. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, the, the other component of these standardized tests is that they take time, right? I mean, it's hours out of the day. What have local superintendents said about that strain on already stressful situations for students and teachers? Yeah, it's the, 
the consensus is that is time that can be better used teaching and learning and trying to make up for lost time from the past year when students were out of the classroom. Um, one superintendent told me that these tests usually take about a week's worth of schooling in terms of time and effort. They're long tests and they involve a lot of different grade levels and a lot of effort from teachers to you know, prepare students for tests and then the time that it takes to take them. And it just is a lot of time that teachers and educators and it just superintendents, they feel that it's better spent trying to catch kids up from anything that they missed or, you know, meeting the individual needs of students rather than having all students who might be at different levels in their education um, just in this past year of a pandemic, um, rather than having them all do the same thing, it'd be better to individualize instruction to them for that week. All right. Well, I hope all our local students have their number two pencils ready. Moving to, to a little bit of a, a more um, specifically local issue, Carolyn, we've had some discussion in the last couple of weeks about social districts in, in a few of our municipalities, specifically Saugatuck, uh, Douglas, and Zeeland. First of all, can you explain what a social district is? Sure. And Actually, first of all, I want to say sorry for not saying hi back to you in the intro. Was, That's all right. It's, you know what? It's Friday. We get it. <laughs> I was muted and I couldn't reach for the unmute quickly enough. But hello, Audra. Uh, so a social district is just a designated area where uh, people can essentially drink alcohol outside. And, you know, normally with open containers, open carry laws, excuse me, um, you, you can't, open container laws, you can't just, you know, have a bottle of beer out on the street drinking it. That's, that's usually illegal. Right, generally frowned upon. <laughs> well, the, the idea behind this is to uh, both increase sales for restaurants and bars, breweries that are struggling with the 50% capacity limits with the fact that they've been, um, shut down for indoor dining for, you know, um, basically a majority of the last, of 2020 and the last year. And, and so helping to boost their sales and also to draw people to these downtowns to give them, you know, something kind of exciting or different to do where you could pick up on like a nice Saturday afternoon or evening, you know, pick up some drinks and go walk through downtown Saugatuck. You can um, so Saugatuck has actually implemented a social district already, and uh, within certain shops, if they have a sign up that says um, we're social district friendly, you can bring your drinks in here, you can actually go shopping in the stores with a drink. Um, so it's just supposed to bring kind of a different atmosphere and also help boost um, downtown retail and restaurant sales. Okay, so Saugatuck has passed this. At, at what point in the you know process are Douglas and Zealand? So Douglas and Zealand have both taken steps to indicate they are they're they're pursuing it is the best way I can put it. Um, Zealand has scheduled a public hearing and a vote for later this month, uh, so they will be taking that up pretty soon. Um, if they do vote to approve a social district, then there will be a little bit of time before it actually 
kicks into gear because the individual restaurants who are selling this to-go alcohol will need permits from the state, and that takes a couple of weeks. Uh, But Douglas, on the other hand, has voted to investigate creating a social district. So basically they've asked their city manager to come up with a plan and and bring it back to them, and they they would then vote on that. Gotcha. Uh, I mean, I can definitely see this being a popular thing to do in the summer, especially, you know, along the lakeshore going and, you know, walking along the beach with your locally brewed beer or or whatever, you know, you may may choose. Um, What is the general consensus from the public about these social districts? Yeah, so it it is mixed from the public. I think in Saugatuck, they have had, the city council has had a little bit of backlash on business owners um, and, uh, and residents who live quite close to the downtown district. And the, you know, I, I think more people in Saugatuck have spoken up in favor, business owners in particular, who want to sell this alcohol. Uh, but, you know, not, not everyone drinks alcohol. Not everyone wants to be around people who are drinking alcohol, especially if they're drinking excessively. Um, and not everyone behaves well when they've, when they've had alcohol to drink. And so, you know, there are some legitimate concerns that people have with how well is this going to be policed? Um, how can you control, you know, how much people are drinking out um, downtown in the parks or, or on the street? So I think there are some concerns, and that for that reason, Saugatuck has chosen to do just a pilot district. So their their social district will end at the end of May, and then they will evaluate, do we think this was successful? Do the benefits outweigh any of the problems that they may have seen? Interesting. All right, we'll have to see how that plays out toward the beginning of summer. Well, thanks so much, all three of you, for for joining me this week. And um, on behalf of the Holland Sentinel, we'll hear you all, or you'll hear us next week for another roundup of From the Newsroom.